uh, thanks for joining us. You know, we have a Xing from ETH side, and we have a Grendel from Polygon yeah. that all are here. You know, just feel free to speak. You know, so we'll be just a uh, uh, sorry, we got to. Simona, you know, she's been caught up by some like community calls that he, she probably will not be joining us this time. And uh, yeah, we have a uh, Nathan actually. Uh, I think I've just been him, so he he should be joining us very soon. Right. Okay, sounds good. Hey, Nathan. Hi, Daryl. Uh, hiding. Uh, very well. Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. Super excited for for this little clue space. It's gonna be good. <laughs> Welcome back again for you know content 2049. We actually have been doing I think the 13 or 14 episodes already. So yeah, this time is a rise. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna kick off, right? So hello, everyone. Uh, Good morning, good evening, uh, good afternoon to everybody. Thanks for joining Content 2049. And this is, uh, you know, the episode called Killer Tools. Uh, as we know, the Web3 aims to improve, you know, the, the internet ecosystem uh, through various tools and to solve problems like uh, monopoly, lack of privacy protection, and uh, malicious, you know, algorithms. So different from mobile internet, Web3 tools are built upon uh, blockchain protocols and it's a good Web3 tool can be used as a core component in the entire tokenomic or governing system. So this is space, we're going to discuss a number of killer tools which are effectively helping people in the crypto area. And today we are honored to have an ETH sign to co-host this discussion. Uh, welcome, Shin. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, uh, everyone. Uh, this is Shin from eSign. So, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, we're actually very actively building around Dell and we're providing the interface between Web2 and Web3. I think I will do more introduce about the product later and nice to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to partner with you, Jim. Uh, at the same time, we're also very honored to have the outstanding project delegate from Web3 and the Dell field as well. Uh, let's invite them to introduce themselves. Uh, Nathan? Um, yeah, so um, small introduction. Uh, I work at Snapshot. Uh, Snapshot, for those who, who don't know it, is a governance framework. Uh, we do part of uh, everything off-chain, so it's a free governance framework. It's quite flexible. There's a lot of things you can do with it. And, uh, and yeah, um, I, I work mostly on things like growth, uh, reaching out, communication, uh, all of these things. Uh, and obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of DAOs, and uh, I'm part of quite a few DAOs that, that I really love. Maybe uh, we'll get time to get into that, but uh, yeah. Uh, that's me. Okay. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, uh, um... yeah, hi Howard. Hi everyone. Uh, my name's Ben. I'm uh, based in Australia. I work for an organisation called Aragon, who is essentially a decentralised app creator that allows people to uh, build and manage their own DAO on the Aragon platform and using our framework. Um, and at Aragon, yeah, I work. Um, uh, focusing on our people and then um, helping us to decentralize into a DAO ourselves. Good to be here. Awesome, Ben. Thanks for joining us. You know, uh, we look forward to know more about you know Alagon later. And uh, we have a Grendel from Polygon. Hey, everyone. I'm Grendel. I'm from Polygon. As I was said, uh, my role is a DAO lead, meaning that I'm taking care with my team 
of all the now DAO initiatives in the space on Polygon. Thank you, Grindo. Brilliant. Uh, um, I'm very happy to chat with you all. So uh, let's kick off today's topics. You know, firstly, Shane, uh, we know it's not actually has raised four million lately, leading by Sequoia's company. So uh, would you elaborate what Pen said exists in DocuSign, which is very popular in you know internet now? Uh, what's the ten times pros that eSign offers to the market compared with the DocuSign? Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Har. This is a very uh, common, um, the, 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 the very usual question I'm answering. So, so basically, um, I think, uh, uh, like, let me a little bit backward, about, do a little bit intro about like eSign. So, so basically, we are not like uh, trying to compete with uh, uh, sign, and we're not only um, trying to provide the SaaS for the signings. It's, it's not. So basically, I think, we have blockchain, right? We we need to leverage blockchain. But if you only do signing on blockchain, which is you you uh, rec- rec- do on chain record for every signature, it's basically using we're basically using Ethereum and all the other blockchain as a da- database. But for us, we also want to you know you know it's not for Ethereum. Uh, of course, it's not just a database. It's also a financial infrastructure. The amazing DeFi projects, DeFi waves already prove it to to us, right? So I think we are trying to also trying to leverage the uh, um their like uh, the financial infrastructure pro- products on uh, Ethereum. We're trying to um to to build more like uh, on based on smart contract instead of a uh, uh, like paper based agreement. We're also building smart contract based agreement. And um, this year, we, we already launched the eSign signatures, which you can call it like a Web3 version DocuSign. It's purely decentralized, and everything is like um, crypto uh, compatible. We'll make sure you can uh, log in with you. Everything is based on the uh, parakey, um, and uh, everything will be encrypted first and stored into our wave. And so it's basically, it's very uh, easy to use. And, um, and Later, we are going to uh, like uh, transit uh, turn our attention to the uh, to a smart contract framework called Smart Agreement, which is a set of a smart con- contracts. So basically, we we'll allow users to define several parameters to generate a smart contract based agreement. And and I think that's the um, uh, uh, and also this year we'll create more use cases on top of this too. Because we had the first one, eSign signatures, that's very, it's legally compatible and also familiar, uh, like a traditional user was very familiar with it. And also we have a like a purely uh, like on-chain uh, native innovation, which is a smart contract, smart agreement. And we'll build more like use case on top of it, right? We, we think, uh, you know, contracts, just like contracts, also a gateway for Web2 asset. To get on Web three, right? So every you know every like uh, derivatives or something they use contracts, and uh, we'll explore more uh, on a little bit on that part in the Q three and Q four this year. So uh, I think that's under the question. Power. I can hear you, Alan. Yeah, how are seems lo- lagging? You know, lagging? I mean, something. Yeah. 
yeah, sorry. Thank you for, you know, uh, uh, for your input about the e-sign. So, I mean, speakers, if any, uh, you guys have any questions, just feel free to ask, you know, we're quite uh, flexible here. So, I, I do have a question first thing is like, what's, you know, e-sign's uh, target users in short term or in the long term, you know? Do you have more to share with us? Uh, sorry about that, could you repeat the question? Uh, what's your target users? Uh, okay, so uh, I think right now we mostly we provide services uh, like uh, um, to firstly crypto products. They can easily using us like uh, actually a crypto product mostly they, they're not like 100% like they're more like a decentralized organization, right? Everybody working uh, probably from different place and they can sign like MV contracts, uh, young e-sign and also they can risk, uh, sign the fundraising contracts. But, or SIG plus token word and use e-sign with the uh, investors. Of course, investors, VCs, they use e-sign. Also, um, um, KOLs, um, like a, a advisory agreement or something, they use e-sign. And also, uh, I think in the future, we'll also we'll got some uh, collaboration with uh, the crypto banks and DAOs. That's our major focus right now because I think for DAOs, there's actually no single person represent for a DAO. And uh, we're trying to provide a, a legit platform for a DAO to generate a legally binding signature. We're really we'll do some legal research research on that part because we're trying to get through the DAO uh, Wyoming uh, LLC or something. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I think the, when a DAO trying to uh, you know do something in Web2, like when city DAO raise money from the crypto community and they want to buy real land in Wyoming, that's the that's the part they really need some interface to sign some contracts. And uh, that's where we are targeting, I think. That's very useful. Yeah. Um, great. Thank you, Shane. So, okay, we, we, we know that, you know, Grindel uh, could only be here for 30 minutes. So my uh, first, another question for Grindel, you know, is, uh, would you uh, introduce us more about the Polygon doll? Because uh, we know it's a really huge, you know, uh, public chain, but, it's probably you know first time for our audience to understand more about the program though. So also, what's the pain points you know do you uh, do you guys solve? So would you give us more background? Oh yeah, of course. Well, um, we started the Polygon ecosystem DAO, and uh, but we are also working in partnership and inside Polygon on many different tools that could help DAOs. Everything that we do, of course, is open source and will be permissionless and so on. And we really believe that this space needs tools, more frameworks, more ways to build new structures. What we are doing in a Polygon DAO is... Um, something different from many other DAOs. We are not basing the DAO on a token-based model uh, the, that we don't have a governance token. We don't use Matic token as governance token. We are building the governance of, uh, and uh, not just the governance, but also the way that people are part of the Polygon DAO on a new identity, like an identity wallet at the end, that uh, the Hermes team, or at least part of the Hermes team, is uh, building right now, and it will be represented uh, by the end of this month. This uh, identity uh, will give us the chance to identify anonymously all, all the participants to the DAO and give us the chance to uh, assign them a reputation. Everything, of course, will be based on the uh, identity itself, uh, because uh, the concept that from where we start is the sovereign identity concept. And so um, it, 
it will be fully anonymized because all the proof will be based on zero knowledge and the uh, um, reputation that we are talking about won't be shared with anyone else than the identity itself. We could also, uh, we could then uh, run uh, in a way how some DAOs are now doing with the reputational uh, NFTs, but uh, differently from the reputational NFTs, uh, the, the reputation that we are talking of won't be possible to be linked to any um, any identifiable um, identity. This way, we achieve we will achieve many different uh, aims. At least we hope to. The first aim that we'll achieve is that um, everyone will be completely anonymized. But at the same time, we will be able to check uh, in a trustless way if uh, the user is a member or has a reputation to do something or to be someone. And this is very important for us because we think that uh, the way that governance was made with uh, tokens right now was uh, in part not uh, uh, done in the best way. And we could see it uh, when uh, the bear market started. But this is for the Polygon DAO and uh, at least on the governance side. What we want to achieve in the, and what we will achieve in the first, uh, as a first uh, deliverable is to make uh, the Polygon DAO the first point of contact of Polygon of everything that is on Polygon, of the its ecosystem, with everyone that would, would like to be part of it or would like to have contact with it. So we are talking about individuals, communities, developers, and the project. So everyone will be welcomed by community members, by contributors, by community managers, and so on. And uh, they will be able, to, and the, all the people that are coming, and uh, if they want, of course, they will be onboarded in the DAO, and then uh, they will be able to reach uh, the people that they are looking for, the team that they are looking for, the project that they are looking for. It will be kind of a hub, hub where everyone is able to be. And uh, then when everyone will be there, of course, uh, we will be able to have uh, in one place the Polygon community, what we call the Polygon ecosystem. So it won't be divided in many Telegram channels and many Discord servers as we have now or on other social. There will be a place where everyone will be able to talk to Together to, to to spend time to work uh, because uh, w one of the other points that we want to achieve is uh, to the DAO to be a kind of uh, very big uh, talent pool where everyone will be able to show their own skills working with the DAO working with the teams and so on and uh, this is for the individual for the project will be will be the place where they will be able to find support maybe new developers maybe new other projects with which they will be able to partner with. That's uh, in uh, the shortest way to describe what we're building on Polygon with the Polygon DAO. Thank you so much, Grando. That looks very huge project and it covers a lot of uh, people in the crypto and also in the you know, Polygon ecosystem. So, uh, gentlemen, if you have any uh, question you would like to chat with Grando, I mean, I suggest now because he, he only stays here for 30 minutes. And also, Shane, I believe that's a probably that's a great chance. I mean, uh, he's signed to be working with the Polygon DAO, you know, led by Grando. Uh, yeah, we, we actually work closely with Polygon and our biggest user base uh, actually uh, from Polygon. Yeah. That's great. So, well, well, Nathan, Ben, if you have any questions, just shoot. So, I will leave the, you know, the rest of the time upcoming two questions for Shing. You can leave the, you know, uh, the discussion. Um, well, I definitely actually have a question for Grendel, if I can. I know I'm not supposed to be the one asking questions. But I'm really curious. So uh, Hermes is going to support anonymity, right? That's a ZK proof. So 
you know, you can have a certain amount of anonymity. Do you think, and I'm saying that uh, coming from Snapshot, obviously, so I've got an idea behind my head, but do you think uh, you can do anonymous voting on Hermes? We are working on a first uh, uh, solution to allow everyone voting with this identity. And I can tell you that the snapshot is on the equation. Well, that's cool. Don't hesitate to DM uh, if uh, you want to cooperate further. No problem. Uh, we, we will. We, we are the ending our first test. We have to do the announcement this week, and then we will be able to proceed with the new phase. Yeah, see some alpha leak here. <laughs> hey. Okay. Um. Yeah. I will. Uh. Yeah. As, uh, Howard's uh card. Yeah, I will. I will take. Uh. I'll leave the the, the some questions. Uh, some common questions. I think the the, the next topic we're trying uh, or want to explore is like, uh, so how how you help people with uh, for for everyone like how you help people without professional knowledge. Like make a crack, uh, make good judgments or and choice for DAOs in order to keep a DAOs vision intact. I mean, probably that's that's a very uh, general question for everyone who organizing a DAO, who's hosting a DAO, who has a longer vision for a DAO, right? Well, in my opinion, right now we are living a phase where uh, it is not difficult to know if someone is good or not, because at the end of the space is not so big, even if there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are relating to, to crypto, the ones that we can call builders, the ones that we can call contributors and uh, regular users of DAOs, well, we know that uh, if uh, we ask someone and this one will ask someone else at the end, we will know uh, if the person that we are talking with is good or not, because it is a very based um, reputation model that we are talking about. But now when we are going to go on everyone in the space and we will onboard a new millions of people this is something that cannot be achieved uh, so easily because everyone will be uh, well uh, we don't want uh, i don't want anyone to be considered a number or just uh, he's it's his own or her own resume and so the idea to build uh, an identity uh, layer with a reputational model that could be shared by all the DAOs, all the project. And when I say shared, not it's not that uh, everyone will own those data, of course, but it will be that everyone will be able to make claims on a single identity. And the single identity, of course, will have to reply to the claims. Well, we will achieve a, a point where we don't have to check the resume of the people because with a zero knowledge proof, we will know if there is the thing, the single element. I don't know how you skilled in solidity, but it could be more than this, of course. It will be achieved in this way. So in a, my, really, my dream is to be able to go on with the DAO model where people are able to start contributing without revealing their identities if they don't want to. They don't have to reveal their nationality, their gender, anything about them, because it is up to them to decide if to do it or not. And it is up to the others to decide about those people on what they are actually delivering and not anything else. And so this way, I think, in my opinion, of course, it's just my opinion, we could obtain a fairer way of, uh, well, managing jobs, of uh, finding new talents and so on. Yeah, thank you. What about Ben? He, he, he must have a lot of 
like experience organizing or uh, participating in the Aragon because like Aragon apparently are the one of the biggest platform for DAOs, right? Yeah, I think I think this question of like um, how do we help you know non professionals or new people um, to build a DAO to execute a DAO is is just like such an important question because um, I think more broadly um, what the whole space is doing right now is um, you know onboarding and educating a whole heap of people around um, these new types of organisations and new governance models. Um, Aragon has a set of templates in uh, in our DAP, which sort of allows people to build semi-customizable DAOs. Um, but actually, we think there's like a big opportunity in this space today to uh, to use our products to support people to not only build a DAO but to understand a DAO. Um, and a simple example would be, you know, today um, maybe people would choose which chain they want to put their DAO on. Um, you know, tools should support people to understand what the different trade-offs might be, what's going to be a more secure chain or what's going to be a lower cost chain for them to choose. Um, I think also we're thinking about how our tools, you know, support people around governance and voting mechanisms. I think generally uh, people are still coming to terms with, you know, what's the difference between, um, you know, simple majority voting versus um, quadratic voting. Um, these types of questions are things that we think tools can uh, can really help people with. So um, Aragon's making quite a bit of investment at the moment and working on a product or app that, that we think is going to help people to, uh, yeah, as I said, not, um, not just create DAOs, but better understand the different types of organisations that, uh, that they can create. But, um, yeah, I think this is a really important part of the space and probably for all tool providers to actually understand that you know, we're trying to bring so many people on board to these new tools. Um, core part of building a tool is not just delivering the outcome, but um, but probably supporting people to be better knowledge and resourced around that sort of stuff. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Um, hold on, Nathan. Yeah, I think wanna... Ben covered it quite well. In yeah. general, uh, the idea is you you want to. I think uh, maybe a mistake that a lot of uh, DAO tooling falls into very easily is trying to explain how you need to run your DAO to a, a new young DAO. And we're so early in this stage of experimentation that, you know, however you want to make your DAO work is probably a quite interesting direction to go into because you, you didn't get there just by, you know, randomly guessing, I think we should run a DAO with just a, I don't know, a, a multi-sig and a and a veto-based uh, governance system or something. You know, you, you're coming from your own background. You know, you're coming from something, you know, truly unique about yourself in a, in a way that you think good governance and good coordination happens. And you need to kind of follow that and trust that. So DAO tooling has to be extremely uh, flexible uh, in order to, get, like we were saying, kind of keep the vision intact. Because it's so early, it, it makes sense to let everyone try to do the best thing and then share notes. And that's the very important part, right? Because if we're just letting people be guinea pigs and all try their own their own thing on their own, you know, side of the, this huge metaverse, that's just not going to work out. It's going to take a longer time to work out. So one is experimentation, letting people experiment a, a, a maximum possible and then bring loads of people together to try to compare notes, what works, what doesn't. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, us as, as DAO tooling creators, our job is to facilitate this experimentation and, and this uh, 
and this you know commonality of experiences make something really uh, interesting and you know collectively learned uh, out of it yeah um, yeah for me actually for 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 us when we trying to operate a DAO or like sometimes I personally perceive a DAO I said uh, my my answer to this question is like I think a DAO situation should be like very easy to understand you know like if you're organizing a DAO you, you, you definitely need to you can you can you can tell the others what's your vision, what you want to do for a DAO within one sentence, right? And so every time you can repeat, just repeat it to the new uh phase to the new phases in the DAO. So because I really think whatever like a uh, organizations like companies or DAO or something, the the biggest uh like uh, um thing for you guys for for organizations like there's um always have new uh new 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 hiring new. Uh, faces to the organization, so new contributors, right? So, uh, and we will make sure, uh, you, and also for the the steward, I think we need to answer the same question time to time. But you know, you you, you still need to do it, and at the meantime, like uh, keep uh, delivering, keep uh, going forward. I think that's very important for all. Um. All right. Um. So, so the next topic we have is like, um, so when we talk about like DAO tooling, we think about the ways to help coordinate uh, online communities. So what's the best issue these communities still feels today? And uh, what should be the tools that haven't invented yet that could solve the, the these issues? And really, uh, we, we, we are uh, like the ESAN team is researching on something on the, this point. I think mostly um, we're targeting the, 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 the priority we're targeting is like, uh, I think uh, the Snapshot team and the no safe team are already working on it, like a called SafeSnap. So basically, I think safe, SafeSnap is trying to solve the problem that, that right now we have decentralized uh, uh, governance. So so every like a proposal will be um, will be a vote, will have a voting uh, process in the community. And once everyone once the majority or something will vote yes and it's passed and uh, still it will give, give the right back to the core team the core team still can't uh, choose to not execute that that, night, uh, that uh, proposal or something so we really want to uh, make sure it happens maybe in the future we can use um, safe snap or something else like uh, to de pre-deploy the smart contract on the blockchain which could be a um, Money transfer, money token swap, or something, and and they will keep tracking the result of the voting. And once it's complete, or it's uh, passed, or something, and uh, the on-chain pre-deployed smart contract will ask you uh, uh, at the right way. I think that's the missing uh, part right now in the governance. Um, yeah, what's the what about the other idea from Grand? So we can start from Grando. I'm very sorry, but uh, I have to go now because uh, I have uh, a call that I cannot miss. And just wanted to thank you all for the call and I hope to be able to talk with you again. Thank you, everyone. No so, thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. See you next time. Um, yeah, well, maybe I, I can jump in since we were uh, talking about SafeSnap. I think it's, a, it's an interesting starting point. So I think what we're talking about here is trustless execution, uh, removing humans in, in the coordination of your DAO. You don't need humans anymore. To you, there, There's no space for them to change the results of a proposal or not adopt it or something. And um, 
I think uh, safe snap is cool. I, I like it a lot. Obviously, <laughs> um, I am contractually obligated to say that. Uh, <laughs> there's also really cool other stuff coming up. I'm a big fan of uh, Sna Snapshot X, obviously. Uh, that's going to be on, on Starknet, and that's going to have uh, kind of built-in trustless execution. But in general, I kind of want to maybe put a bit of a downer on trustless execution. Uh, that is that, you know, trustless e human interaction can manipulate the outcome of a proposal. You can vote for A, and then, you know, the multi-sig signers vote B. But once that's done, you know, nobody trusts these multi-sig signers anymore. So there's a lot of, like, social control that still happens that kind of protects, uh, protects the will of the community. Because, you know, the community is, is deciding to participate in, in, in this certain DAO or something. And if their trust is broken, well, that's a huge problem. So the other side of trustless execution is the fear of <laughs> copy-pasting an Ethereum address when you want to send money to another account is something we all know. It, it's, it's scary. It's a blockchain. There's no customer support you can call. Afterwards, you know, I fucked up. I was send these tokens to an address on Arbitrum, and I was, uh, I, I was on East Mainnet, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, uh, is it too late? You know, these are all <laughs> fears that a lot of us have faced at, at one point or another. So now imagine DAOs with budgets of millions of dollars facing kind of that same fear. And, and you're going to triple check it, obviously. Huh? Every time you're going to triple check, is the execution that I set into proposal going to go to the right person? But sometimes we'll, we'll have like big oof moments. <laughs> I think that's unavoidable. And in that sense, uh, I'm a big fan, for example, of Kleros which is this, uh, I think they call themselves the justice protocol. It's kind of like an arbitration court for DAOs. And I think this already helps, for example, fix some of the mistakes that, uh, that, that, that you know, the people behind DAOs uh, could do. So trustless execution, take it with a grain of salt. For some things, it's excellent. For other things, for smaller DAOs, I think that they're better off still including humans in the, pro uh, in the process quite often. So... Um, to go back on the question, like what tools haven't been invented? I think the other problem is uh, one. I think in terms of, you know, the, the how teams work, you know, the, the nitty gritty daily stuff. There's a lot that we haven't brought over. Uh, I'm personally super interested in holacracy and all these uh, kind of horizontal systems of organizations for for corporations, really. And I think there's a lot there that we haven't really, you know, we're, we're trying to reinvent while it already exists. And then the other thing that I think is incredibly interesting is uh, all the legal stuff. Very soon, we're going to be having the first <laughs> lawsuits towards a DAO, between DAOs. Uh, all of this is possible, right? And right now, we have no idea what that's going to look like. Uh, we have no idea how legal works in, in this new world we're building. And very soon, either we're going to need it or it's going to come after us, if that makes any sense. So I think that there's a lot to say about governance tools, and obviously Aragon are doing an amazing job. I think we're doing quite a decent job as well, and we're really focusing on that part, when probably some of the attention should be on the maybe more like daily stuff or the legal stuff that seems a little bit more boring, but I think is incredibly important to the, to the growth of the space. Sure, sure, sure. We will let you, like, let, let's talk more about the, 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 the space, about the, the legal stuff. We'll love to learn more about the situation you, you're facing right now. Sorry to interrupt, Ben, please. 
No, no, um, uh, it's awesome sharing from Nathan there. I, I really want to build on that because I think he's touched on something that's, um, yeah, it's just, just like really, really important there, which is, um, yeah, the day-to-day stuff. You know, we've sort of proving or in the process of proving the concept of DAOs that, you know, organizations can be self-governed and we're spending a lot of time thinking about different sort of uh, governance models around voting and execution, these sorts of things. I, I think it's this concept that I call soft governance, um, which is really like the day-to-day project management and execution in DAOs. I think this is um, it's going to be a big space. Um, there's a lot of things, as Nathan said, out there already around holacracy, sociocracy that we can start to use in DAOs. And I think um, the question is going to be, yeah, how, how fit for purpose are those types of tools and how do they... Um, sort of connect into an on-chain environment. And just like a simple example today is like, um, you know, a, a grant gets funded or a team, you know, starts working on a piece of work um, and then it becomes like really flexible. <laughs> you know, there's no tool around different roles. There's no tool around accountabilities. There's not great tools um, for sort of tracking your progress or, or keeping everyone updated or, um, you know, reporting on metrics and KPIs, these things that can make DAOs more and more efficient. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of uh, work in that space around, you know, um, soft governance and coordination. I think those types of tools that empower small teams, actually within the DAOs themselves, are going to be um, going to be really, really important for us to go to from yeah these big monolithic sort of DAOs that, that vote on big important things um, to actually like these really empowered sort of um, yeah fractal DAOs that allow people to. Uh, pull in lots of different directions, but still stay connected to the whole somehow. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nathan, for your uh, wonderful speech. You know, and uh, as you mentioned, you know, and Nathan mentioned some like legal stuff here. It's like, uh, well, there's a uh, probably there's a like, you know, but uh, like the some of the lawsuits will be coming. You know, <laughs> so we we did discuss you know how we can be you know the doors or you know the the, the legal steps could help with the you know I mean the legislation as well you know to to help resolve this problem together. So yeah, we we will pay more attention to that as well. So we can move to the next question: Is that should the door tooling be developed by those themselves? Because as I understand, there's a some you know project. That, are doing you know, this doll tuning themselves, for example, Masari, and for example, Polygon doll, you know. So how do you, uh, what's your view on this? Uh, we can start with the Nathan. So, <laughs> ben, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go first. I think, um, I think yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, understanding, um, the issues that exist in a DAO is sort of something uh, you often really need to experience. So an example I sort of use often is, you know, there's a big difference between sort of being in a DAO and lurking and, and sort of working in one day-to-day, being a core contributor and and that experience of, of like being right in the heart of a DAO and, and sort of seeing everything um, back behind the curtain teaches you a lot around um, how DAOs work and, and frankly, <laughs> like how they don't work uh, or the really painful points. So so I think definitely like that authenticity of being in a DAO and DAO's trying to solve um, uh, problems and build tools to uh, uh, to help them move forward is, is, is definitely important. Um, th- that said, like we're in a massive experimentation phase right now. I don't think there's 
anything to say great tools can't come from people outside of DAOs. I don't think there's any tool in the space right now that probably can or should feel comfortable about where we're going to be in, in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months from today. So um, we're all sort of learning as we go, working together, experimenting. Um, and I think, you know, that's part of the DAO experience really is we're in multiple DAOs and, and get that broader experience and use different tools. I, I think we're going to understand a lot more about what works and um, and how we can move forward on those sorts of things together. But yeah, I think DAOs being in a good place to sell, solve DAO tooling questions um, just makes sense to me. Yes, I agree with you. There's a lot of experiments, you know, ongoing right now. Um, Nathan, uh, can you read me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I think uh, Ben is absolutely right there. Like, it's a big part of making any kind of, is, uh, a big part of it is asking the right questions to the right people, making sure that you're really solving something that is a, a, a important pain point. And if you are the people that you're supposed to be helping, you're in the best position to realize what, what the, the actual pain points are. Um, the other part is, I think, um, and this, this, might, this might sound slightly controversial, decentralized organizations, that, that's not like a zero or one. You don't have like centralized organization and decentralized organization. It's not that simple. You've got organizations on a scale of decentralization from one to 10. And, you know, 10 is awesome, but 10 doesn't fit the use case of everyone. And one pretty much always sucks, but there's probably an organization, I can't really think of it at the moment, where fully centralized works well. <laughs> and um, so you need to be somewhere around there. And if you want to make DAO tooling, I don't think you can be any lower than a five. If you're lower than five, there's something like, it, it means you don't believe in, certain, in a certain way in the product you're building. Because if you're building tools for DAOs to work well, then you, know, you should want to be as decentralized as possible. And for, um, for I think Aragon, it's, it's a very interesting point because they've been around for so long. For Snapshot that has been there since, I think, uh, July 2020, um, you know, it's a different story because we've not been around that long and we're working on, on, on going really from, you know, that, that one to 10 thing <laughs> because at the very beginning, Snapshot was just one guy in his underwear. So genuinely, I think that's a one. <laughs> and, uh, and now we're, we're much further down the line and, and, and we're centralizing Snapshot as much as possible and, and trying to figure out, figure out all those kind of scary things like uh, uh, having a token, running a DAO, and, and all of this is, is super exciting and, and we're going in that direction. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's just amazing to, to see the community uh, uh, that, that creates around the project like this. So I think like it's, it's so, you know, I, I think I didn't understand it really before working in the DAO, how good or how positive for a project it is to build completely transparently. Like the, the snapshot GitHub, you, you can jump on it, you can see our roadmap for the next, for the next month, for the next years, everything is on there. All of the, you know, our Discord is open. Every everything is open, and that kind of brings a spirit of cooperation, and you know, it brings new talent at a rate that I didn't think was possible. People are spending fortunes hiring developers and, and finding developers uh, and searching for it. While I think like more than half of the developers of Snapshot were just like community people who started to fix a few issues, and then you know, eventually two months later, well, you know, you're there and they're now employed uh, by Snapshot and they work full time. So. I think that vibe is, is super important. And if you're not decentralized enough, 
it's going to be really hard to build convincing doubt tooling, I think. I just, I just want to follow up on that. I think, I think that's touched on something that um, is just so true about the space, which is like this idea that um, DAOs uh, being open, um, you know, that's, that's their power. Um, that's what's going to make them um, really successful. I, I think sometimes there's this thought that, you know, DAOs are competing against companies and like how are DAOs going to do, say, product management better than companies? I don't think they are. I think they're going to do it quite similar from a product development perspective. But DAOs have got all these natural advantages around um, their ability to attract talent. Yeah, that talent to be really motivated towards the mission. Um, the fact that anybody can come in and you don't make mistakes in your hiring process, people just start creating value and you build and establish that relationship together. So. I just think that's like such a great perspective and really glad Nathan shared that. This idea of being decentralized and, and sort of permissionless um, is a huge part of the DAO experience. And I think DAOs that are doing that well and, and being really open, they're going to build great tools. Yes. Um, I, I also like very uh, pro this like your question. So in, as a developer, uh, you definitely need to uh, stay or join yourself in the Discord need to understand what's happening and what the potential users, what the community wants, right? And you just build it for them. So that's the way to, to get a product market fit, right? Totally agree with you. And also, this reminds me another, you know, difficult issue about hiring, you know, the, the right developers for this uh, project or for adults. It's always easy. I was wondering, maybe sometimes we can start like saying you know discussion about the hiring talent you know okay so uh i'm gonna move to the next part of the question so is that possible to provide tooling without understanding what's really like to be part of a door uh this is actually uh uh you know question from our speakers and i would love to hear about your thoughts on this uh i think we already uh, talked about this pretty much i, I think you know like okay. if you don't if you're not a DAO, you don't really understand what's up. Because, you know, something DAO is like, a, for now, it's still like a experimenting, right? But people don't really have a very clear picture about what, what they really need. And I don't really like some people just compare some Web2 use cases into just just thinking DAO will, DAO will just has like 100% same use cases as Web2, uh, Web2 company operator. So to do that, I don't really like that approach. I really think we just... Uh, stay in the community, stay in the um, the, the the DAOs, and to see what re what you really need, right? What's what's your DAO really need, and just 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 fill the blank, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. So, if uh, any guys have anything to add, you can uh, speak now, or again to ask the you know question uh, How much a DAO turning to be on chain? Are these parts of organization cooperative structure that can be off chain? This is uh, another interesting area I wanted to you know explore more. Um, yeah, maybe I can start with Nathan. Um, well, uh, in general, that snapshot most of the snapshot architecture is off chain. So, um, so clearly, uh, the decision was between you know it's always a trade off if you want to do things on chain. It is, in many sense, much safer, but it costs a lot of money. So that, that's, um, you know, that, that's just something that all DAOs have to figure out for themselves. Would they rather 
know, any action that they'd like to do on chain is going to cost them a certain amount of money. However, I think the game changer here is going to be layer twos. And layer twos of Ethereum really kind of take away this big, this big problem that, that, that we're facing, which is, you know, when, the, when most of the, the best tooling, I think, was built, it was much easier to, uh, you know, vote on chain or things like that. So bringing it back to, you know, unlocking the potential of blockchains that can have you know, thousands and thousands of uh, transactions per second, that's going to be huge to, I think, in in certain way, bring all of the tooling that felt better off-chain back on-chain. And yeah, I think it was Snapshot X, that's really the idea. Uh, I, in the summer of 2020, that was the beginning of like really high gas fees, uh, DeFi summer, uh, and, and all of this. And this is why Snapshot, I think, made sense at the time that it made sense. And today it still makes a ton of sense. I, I'm still extremely proud of uh, the, the product we're building. But technological improvements are allowing us to bring the snapshot model back on chain. And I think that's extremely exciting, really. Uh, and when I see the, the amount of good work being done by you know, other DAO tooling uh, you know, providers uh, on chain, and I think this is going to cost a lot less money to use now, I think we're going to realize that a lot of excellent DAO tooling already existed and people were just kind of priced out of it for the longest time. So, you know, I think about the use of ERC 1155s uh, in governance by teams like Pods uh, or Station. And I'm thinking that's super cool. I, I truly hope that uh, this will see more usage uh, when, when fees are lower and, and we're going to see a, a, a lot of DAO tooling on chain take a, a new life in many ways. That's very insightful. Thank you, Renton. Um, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think um, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I think, you know, there's no one right answer for this because it's probably going to depend on the DAO that's involved. Um, so I think, you know, different DAOs are going to have different sort of on-chain and off-chain needs. Um, so it's sort of really quite difficult to answer um i think what's going to be interesting is is going to be the, the things that we're not thinking about today that DAOs do and, and potentially can do um and what that's going to mean for chain and off chain i just come back to that example of like this idea of soft governance it's not stuff that um drives you know the the overall governance of the DAO, but it is really important around how a fully functioning DAO operates. Um, I think these things around how, you know, um, roles and accountabilities and, and identity, how much of that does actually move um, on-chain versus off-chain. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's a really important question for the, uh, the DAO tooling space right now because um, certainly uh, lots of DAO tooling needs to be on-chain, but I think... Um, I think we're going to continue to see that uh, lots of really important parts of it can still be off-chain as well. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I mean, for any organization, you know, including those, I think lots of people actually spend a lot of time, you know, communicating, talk with the people, you know, I mean, even probably, you know, start thinking about the proposal. I mean, lots of actually being done, on, you know, here, like by the online communication in Discord or, you know, in Telegram. So, I mean, soft governance is really very important, you know, helps a lot, yeah. So how about you, uh, Shane? Uh, do you have anything to add here? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think, um, you know, we, we talk about on-chain option, but it's not only chain are distributed, right? The, you know, the storage network could be distributed. 
and also uh, uh, the, the the cryptography actually is uh, open source and distributed. Right? I think probably you can use centralized storage, but with uh, with uh, the 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 address based the parakey based cryptography. So you know we can make things like uh, secure. Uh, at the meantime, it's uh, very safe, safe, cheap, and also fast. I think you know with uh, blockchain is just part of the web three. Right? Okay, right. Thank you, Shane. So um, we almost finished the question, you know, listed previously. But if you, I mean, if you guys, you know, it's, it's actually chat time, right? Have any question for uh, another speaker, you can ask right now. Or if audience, everyone, if you have any question you want to, to ask our speaker, uh, please raise your hand too. Uh, so I do have one question for Shane. Uh, it's actually the, the old question, you know. Uh, will e-sign treat itself like an on-chain law enforcement agent? Because uh, uh, everyone actually in uh, blockchain they recognize, you know, code as a law. And uh, in you uh, new solution, you know, the e-sign smart agreement, it actually help with the, you know, uh, executed the binding properties, right? So do you guys think yourself like the on-chain law enforcement? Uh, yeah, so so actually the, the, the enforcement comes from the smart contract and we're helping users, we're building a better universe to help users use um, smart contract in their collaboration. So I think definitely right now we only have like standards like smart contract, right? Like a compound or something that offer the same term for, for every users. I think in, in the future, like uh, we'll we, we, we like uh, working on like provide a better interface for like DAOs, DAO to DAO collaborations, they can customize some of the terms, right? So, as it, like set some, uh, set some like trigger transaction, or like uh, open do some escrow sometime. You know, um, I think we're working on it. Thank you, Shin. And I have another actually for uh, Ben and Mason. I, I would like love to know. know you uh, guys, uh, have you guys already been with some like, not only the blockchain project, but have you guys ever uh, involved with the Web2 uh, companies, you know, uh, engagement? Who you plan to? Um, well, a little bit, a little bit, but there's this kind of huge factor in the middle that, that doesn't help that's called MetaMask. And basically to me, this, this is still like the biggest problem. We have loads of people that we'd like to onboard and the, the issue is, yeah, but, so our users have to download MetaMask and it's what, like a, 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 a browser extension? And yeah, no, it's, it's tough, it's tough. At the moment, I think, you know, because scaling is also a factor. Huh? You, you can't just uh, scale 10x in a year and, and the system still works perfectly. Uh, I think one of the biggest like votes that we've had on Snapshot was the ENS Constitution one. And for the, for the ENS Constitution, I think, yeah, it was about like 80,000 votes over two days on, on one proposal. And basically everything was on fire. Everything was on fire. Nothing was working. Like, it's, it's just like scaling is tough, obviously. Huh? So I think we're in some ways we're ready for Web2. In others, we aren't ready for that type of scaling. And then secondly, Web2 is not that ready for crypto. So there's kind of this weird problem where often when we're thinking about this, we're thinking... in. in do we have to go to Web 2 or do we have to wait for Web 2 to come to Web 3? And it's kind of a, I think it's a difficult question. I, I, I personally my mind about it about twice a week. So 
I can't really tell you. Uh, but but yeah, we've got a lot of organizations that are very interested by by services uh, that are currently available to DAOs, but they're not quite ready to take the you know to take that leap of uh, faith yet. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, ben. Yeah, pretty sort of similar answer, I think. So um, uh, I, I might just sort of add a slightly different point, which is I think like if we believe in decentralization and Web3, the, the good news is, you know, everyone's sort of going to be in our direction. So as Nathan said, you know, whether you go to it or whether it comes to you is, is probably part of, the, uh, part of the question we need to be asking. But I think there's another important part, which is how we help people on that journey. Um, I sort of think of DAOs as like um, important and, and having more decentralized organizations as a good thing. There's lots of centralized organizations out there today that, that frankly have an idea perhaps about the benefits of decentralization, um, but certainly not around how to get there, how to be more decentralized. So I think this is sort of like a good opening question for, for all tooling providers and, and probably all people in the space to be thinking about is like, if we believe in these things strongly, um, how, how are we going to bring, you know, the rest of society or these other organisations in our direction over time is an um, important question for us all to consider. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Um, Shing? Yes? Yeah. Have you uh, considered, you know, to, how to say, to promote, you know, e-sign solutions, you know, to the what to society? You know, I mean, at this, yeah, this for point. Sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. We're, we're kind of... Uh, a use case that, that two users can easily understand. Of course, we want to uh, also let them use it. So, first, like we we support we integrating Web three also previously to us, and also we allow them. We we use a lot of uh, attestation, so allow users to bind their uh, email to your address or something to input their Web two identity. I think uh, one thing about Web three also, uh, I think they really provide a powerful. Uh, uh, interface, so you don't really need to uh, install the Google Chrome extension. You just need to uh, one click and log, log in with your traditional, like a Google, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or uh, email, and they create a a a a, a, a pair key, public key pair, and it's a wallet for you to use um, Snapshot or the others. I, I think they, they can support Snapshot because. For this kind of scenario, uh, you know, users don't really put a lot of money to it, so there will be not too much concern about the security. Although they, they do a quite great job, I think uh, this kind of on-ramp uh, solution will be uh, very promising. Yes. Great. Thank you. You know, I agree with you. I mean, like the uh, interface in simple interface or, you know, a simple uh, way to use the Web3 is really critical for, you know, um, people outside you know, to get into crypto, get into blockchain. It is uh, probably a very serious question for every, you know, uh, dApps, right? So um, not sure if any will have any questions. Okay, so Xing, I think uh, probably it's time up. We can <laughs> probably say goodbye to each other and we, we, we can chat again, you know, next time. Thank you. Thank you, Mason uh, Network and Howard to host the events. Amazing. Looking forward to, to be here next time. Great. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks so much, Howard. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, we'll talk later. Thank you, everyone.